Amen. Amen. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. That is the good news this morning, church. I'd like to ask you to remain standing, make your way in your Bible, your mobile device, whatever you read the Holy Scriptures on to the book of Luke. We are going to project these words on the screen as well. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. You know, church, I believe a right perspective for us is so critical. And we need to be honest about our need to be more grateful, more thankful to both God and to the people around us, don't we? I think we do. I've titled this message, We Are the Nine. We are the nine. We want to be the one, but we are the nine. Touch three people on the shoulder, say, we are the nine to each one of them, and then make your way to your seats. It was almost impossible to describe their condition. They had swelling and lumps all over their body. Their skin was covered in ulcers. For some, there was deterioration of the nose and the throat. And others had their hands and feet eaten away. Leprosy is a living hell. Some medical people believe that emotional stress may cause leprosy, but no doubt those who suffered this horrific disease definitely felt emotional stress and trauma. They felt that if there was a God, that this God had completely abandoned and forgotten them. You see, whenever another human came their way, lepers were required to shout, unclean, unclean. They were segregated from society and ordered to dress distinctively so others could avoid them. Within their hell, they longed, they, they prayed, they hoped for readmission into society and for remission of this horrible condition. Luke says that on the day that Jesus entered the village, the lepers, as always, were keeping their distance. Yet somehow they had enough energy to raise their voices in hope and cry out in unison, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He did, and they were made clean. Yet the amazing element in this story is not that ten lepers were healed of an awful disease. The the awful part of the story is that only one returned to the source of blessing and healing to say thank you. Jesus then asked this question, which is never answered. And he says, were, were not there ten who were healed of this disease? Where are the other nine? Why only one returns to me? Interesting question, isn't it? 
You know, Americans commonly trace the Thanksgiving holiday back to 1621 at Plymouth Plantation, where a man by the name of William Bradford proclaimed uh, the first day of Thanksgiving. He held a harvest feast as a successful growing season came to an end. However, most people don't know that the first American Thanksgiving did not occur in 1621. In fact, the first recorded Thanksgiving actually took place in Virginia more than 11 years earlier, and it wasn't a feast. You see, in 1610, the winter in Jamestown had reduced a group of 409 settlers to only 60. Wow. The survivors prayed for help without knowing when or how it may come. And when help arrived in the form of a ship filled with food and supplies and other goods from England, a prayer meeting was held to give thanks to God. You would think after seeing so many of their loved ones die due to the hardships of this new world that many would would have trouble being thankful. However, the opposite was true, and they realized just how much they had to be thankful for. We ourselves don't realize how blessed we are, do we? How much we have to be thankful for in our lives until perhaps it's threatened to be taken away from us. You know, I believe it's good and right. I believe it's fitting for Christian people to gather to give thanks for God has certainly been good to each and every one of us. Chances are this week in your home included some food. Chances are it also included some family gathered together. If your house is like mine, there was probably a football game or 12 on throughout the time together. Someone once said that gratitude is the source for all other Christian virtues. Let that sink in. Gratitude is the source for all other Christian virtues. If that's the case, then perhaps ingratitude is also the source for at least many, if not all, of our faults as well. In this passage from Luke we looked at, there were ten lepers who met Jesus and had a life-changing encounter with the Lord. And when you break this story down to its very simplest of elements, really what you see in this is the description of every single Christian. Let me explain. You see, we were outcast from the kingdom of God on our way to a certain death. And then we had a life-changing encounter with a man named Jesus. And while we should never look back on the pleasures of sin, we should also never forget about our past, which God has redeemed us and delivered us from. In Isaiah chapter 51, verse 1, the prophet Isaiah says this, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and the quarry from which you were dug. In other words, look to God who has brought you. Look to God who's brought you from this place. Remember and reflect all that Jesus has done in your journey. I want us to take a minute here this morning to remember the place where you first met Christ. I want to give you permission in church to close your eyes, only for a minute, to think about that place. Where were you? Who was there? What did you do? Each of our stories are unique, but that moment in your mind is pivotal. I have the moment in my mind, and I'd like to ask you to wake up if you're still with your eyes shut dreaming about that. 
I ask you this because just this last weekend, November the 20th, I celebrated my spiritual birthday. Now that term spiritual birthday might be new to you. It's not one that's commonly used all the time. But I believe that if I have a physical birthday and the Bible says that the old is gone and the new has come, that I made a new creation, then I too ought to have a spiritual birthday. My physical birthday is May 22nd, if you want to go ahead and get that on your calendar now. My spiritual birthday is November the 20th. And I was in a third grade small group meeting in West Texas on a Sunday morning when a senior in high school named Chris Wilson took the opportunity. Now, I don't know if Chris was bribed with Mountain Dew, coffee, pizza, or donuts. I don't know. But Chris Wilson came to my third grade small group on a Sunday morning. And he shared about Jesus with me and the other students that were in that class. And I decided as Chris portrayed this good side where where God is and how he wants all of us to be with him and this this evil side where the devil is who wants us to do bad things and disobey our parents and do wrong and and all of those things, I decided if there were two different sides waging against each, each other, one being good God's side, of course, and one being evil, the devil's side, then I wanted to be over here. Now, that was all that my mind could really grasp at third grade. And, I, and I've grabbed a hold of a few other theological concepts since then, but not too many. But that's enough. Because the good side and the evil side are always waging against each other. And I realized in that moment that Jesus had given his life for me. And if he had given his life for me, maybe I ought to give my life for him. And so I made that decision there that day. And in each of our weekend services this week, weekend, I've been giving people an opportunity to say that just between you and the Lord. Just, I want to get right with Jesus. I want to know God's love. I want to say yes to Jesus. Something that I did in the third grade and something people have been doing in all of our weekend services here at Union Chapel this weekend. But let me just say something. I cannot come to a place where I'm thinking about when I met God without being thankful and grateful for those in our church community who give, serve, and lead so faithfully with children and youth every single weekend. Because we are a church that will invest in the next generation, and who knows where they'll be in 15, 20, or 30 years. Who knows what opportunity they will have to declare the goodness of God, to talk about we are unclean people who have been made clean and restored by a holy, righteous God who loves us. You see, I believe that every single dollar and every single hour that we spend investing in those 4 to 14 will come back and be multiplied tenfold upon our church and our community and upon our families And if you're a person who's new with us and you haven't got a hold of that idea, welcome to the family because it's what we do. We believe in reaching back because they are the future leaders of our church and of our community. You see, right now there's a third grader sitting in a classroom learning about Jesus. There's a fifth grader who's learning to serve somebody right now in this hour as we sit together. And I think that's phenomenal. And so I can't go back in my mind to the place where I first met Jesus without being so thankful and grateful for what God has done and what he does in the lives of children and youth when we choose to invest in them. So let's get back to our story of the lepers in Luke. What's so significant about those who were healed? Well, of course we know that it's that out of ten, only one returned to say thanks. 
If you were to correlate the truth of this story on general humanity, we might say that nine out of ten people will never pause to give thanks for what they have. Nine out of ten. Can I remind you the title of this message? We are the nine. We want to be the one, but we are the nine. It's my hope that these thoughts through the next few minutes will help us to give God thanks for all that he's done and all he continues to do in our lives. Three short points. Let's get to them. The first thought I'd like to point out is notice the leper's condition. This is speaking of all ten of the lepers. The leper's condition was such that it was a place no one would want to be. Most of us have heard the stories and the horrors of having leprosy in biblical times. It was a horrible disease to have. You see, not only was there the pain of the disease itself, there was also the stigma that went with having leprosy. You see, the Mosaic law pronounced the leper as being unclean, which meant they were unfit to enter into the tabernacle. They were unfit to enter into the temple to even be able to worship. You might not know that they were not able to live with their families either. The law required for them to live in a secluded place outside of the city. You can read about this in Numbers chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. It describes it in detail. But the law requires that those with leprosy would actually rend their garments. They would tear their clothes in extreme sorrow. Their faces had to be covered. And they had to cry out unclean whenever they came close to anyone. The idea of a, of a leper's face being covered is really phenomenal. Let me dig into that a little bit. You see, their faces were hidden, representing that no form of intimacy could be known to the leper. In Hebrew tradition, the face is known as being the most intimate part, and you could not show your face to anyone as a leper. Therefore, you could not truly know anyone. You were an outcast. You see, the Jews were commanded to seek God's face. They were commanded to seek the presence of God. The Hebrew word for face is the same word for presence, face and presence. So as a leper has their face covered, they are in the presence of no one. Totally cut off, totally excluded from humanity. To be a leper meant no intimacy with anyone, no friendship with anyone. You were isolated, a total outcast. Leprosy was also regarded as a disease which the Jews thought was inflicted as punishment for some particular sin. Even more than other diseases, it was seen as a mark of God's displeasure upon your life. If you were a leper, you lost everything. You lost your family, your job, your money, everything. Luke 17.12 says they were standing at a distance the rabbinic tradition instructs that as a leper, you must stand a hundred paces away from the nearest person. We're not talking two or three feet away from someone. A hundred feet away for your whole life. Face covered, rending your garments, horrific diseases. It's the worst situation that you can physically imagine. Now, why would I take the time to describe this situation for us this morning? It's because leprosy is a great picture of sin and destruction in our life. It's what Satan wishes to do to every single one of us today. Easton's Bible Dictionary says this about leprosy, and I quote, Leprosy was the outward and visible sign of the innermost spiritual corruption. 
It's dissolution little by little of the whole body of that which corrupts, degrades, and defiles man's inner nature and renders him unmeet to enter the presence of a pure and holy God. Wow. Now, I'm not going to stand before you this morning and equate leprosy with sin. There's something about my theology that just will not allow that to happen. But there are important similarities between the two. You see, like the leper, we too were isolated from true intimacy. Like the leper, we too were outcast from the kingdom of God. And like the leper, we too were in the process of losing everything to sin. Like the leper, we too were being destroyed by that which was in our bodies, the law of sin and death. But just like the leper, we can stand before God and say, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, and God will restore us to wholeness, to fullness. He will save us and take away all of our iniquities. Thanks be to God who reached out and touched us and said, be clean. Aren't you thankful for that? What a phenomenal thing. The second thought I'd like to point out for us is to notice the leper's cry. This is all ten lepers. Notice the leper's cry. In verse 13, as Jesus is about to enter the city, these lepers who had to stand at a distance began to cry. And I would imagine it would be at the top of their lungs. They wanted Jesus to hear this. What did they say? Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You see, that was all they could do. There was no physician who could heal them. There was no miracle drug. There was no cure for leprosy. They were completely helpless and hopeless before the onslaught of this awful, deadly disease. We like to think that we are sufficient, don't we? We like to think that we are full of hope within ourselves, don't we? The truth is we are born helpless and hopeless into this world. We are helpless to stand before sin, helpless to stand before Satan, and we stand condemned by the sin that is in our life like a leper from head to toe. We're totally helpless. But what's the good news? The good news comes in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, when it says this, For when we were yet without strength, in due time... Christ died for the ungodly. That means you didn't have to put your life together. You didn't have to find a miracle cure for the sin in your life. It was already given because in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Who's the ungodly? That's me. That's you. That's the person to your right or left in this whole room. Nothing but a bunch of sinners, all of us. Ungodly. But Christ died for the ungodly in due time. You, me, the person next to you, the one across the room. And maybe today is the moment where you say, I get it. I don't have to be all clean and shiny in my own good works and deeds. No, you don't. And no, you can't. It is only in the righteousness of God that we are made clean. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Without strength, in the Greek, is translated as totally helpless. Totally helpless. Like these lepers, you and me, we are totally helpless without Jesus entering into the story. And all we can do is cry out for mercy. Jesus, have mercy on me. You know, it's very, very easy for us to confuse mercy and grace. 
It's really easy, so let me just provide a definition for you. You see, grace is getting what you don't deserve. So grace is getting what you don't deserve. What what is mercy? Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. So here are these lepers. They're crying out for mercy to not get what they do deserve. You see, I believe these men realized that they were sinners and whatever they had received, they deserved. Yet now they're crying out for mercy, for relief from the torment in their life. They're begging the Lord to have compassion on them and help them in their time of need. Their only hope was placed upon and found in this man named Jesus. And I don't know about you, but where's your hope today? People look for hope in a variety of places. The only place you'll truly find it is in a man named Jesus Christ who gives and gives freely his restoration and his love and his healing and his mercy and his grace. The only hope we have is in a man named Jesus. So where is your hope today? Do you sit here today as a person full of hope or are you hopeless? Are you in need of hope? If you are, I have good news for you. Because the good news we see in Romans is that while we were without strength, that Christ came and gave his life for the ungodly, which is included, includes every single one of us. When your only hope is placed on Jesus, he will be more than enough. Get this, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We've got to grab a hold of that. There's nothing else that we need. Jesus had compassion on them. He told them to go and present themselves to the priest as the law commanded, which we find interesting. Jesus says the priest would inspect them, give them a clean bill of health, uh, sign his name on a forehead with a magic marker. I don't know what he would do. But give them an opportunity to go and rejoin their communities. And wouldn't you believe that these lepers would want that more than anything, right? Now, why did Jesus tell them this? Why did he send them to the priest? That's kind of interesting. Why didn't he just say, be healed? And they're healed right there. I believe it's because faith is always required. Because faith is always required, especially of the helpless and hopeless, which is who? It's you and me. Luke eleven fourteen says, when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. I want to focus on that phrase, as they went, they were cleansed. They went out by faith, and as they did, they were healed. They were not healed first and then told to go and tell the priest what had happened. They were healed as they went. They had to act on faith, and it was that faith that brought the true healing, the wholeness of God. And friends, it will be your faith as well that will bring healing and wholeness in your life. Well, the last thought that I'd like to point out is notice one leper's celebration. So the first two points, they're about all ten lepers, and this point is about one leper. Notice one leper's celebration. We're told that as they began their journey to the priest, they were cleansed or healed. Of course, what is significant is that out of the ten, there's only one who reacts differently than the rest. The Bible says that when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and he glorified God. He came to Jesus to give him thanks. Now this cost him something because he was already en route home. He was already en route to go see the priest, and he perceived something different about him. And and he had already gone a distance. He wasn't just a few feet away. He was down the road quite a ways, I believe. 
And he didn't have a cell phone to call an Uber or a taxi, or he couldn't grab a phone and just send a text message or, or a phone call. There was no Snapchatting Jesus. Hey, I'm well. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you later. And then that message is gone. We are in that same scenario where we are called to do whatever it takes to return back to Jesus to say thank you. Many of you here today might say, oh, no, I've, got, I've long gone way down the road to say thank you to Jesus for what he did many, many years ago. Maybe today you need to make your way spiritually all the way back to Jesus. Perhaps it will even cost you something in the same way that it cost this one all that he had. Well, I want to give you two sermons within one sermon here today. And here's the great thought. It's all within the same time frame. We are the nine, but we want to be the one. And so in order to become the one, we've got to dive into what was different about this one man. And how can we correlate that to our lives? Here's the first thought about the one leper who returned. It's the perception of gratitude. The perception of gratitude. The Bible says, and when one of them saw that he was healed, it says he saw that he was healed. He perceived it. The Greek word here used is eido, E-I-D-O, eido. And it means to see or know or to perceive something. He realized that something wonderful had happened to him. He perceived his condition had changed and he took time to note that he had been blessed. He was sensitive to the power of Christ working in his life, and his perception had changed entirely. There's an old Jewish story about a man who goes to a rabbi and complains. He says, Rabbi, life is unbearable. There are nine of us living in this room. What can I do? The rabbi answers, take your goat into the room with you. The man is skeptical, but the rabbi insists, do as I say and come back in a week. A week later, the man comes back looking more distraught than before. We cannot stand it, he tells the rabbi. This goat is filthy. You will not believe what he did on my pillow. The rabbi then goes to him and says, go home, let the goat out, and then come back and see me in a week. In one week, a radiant man stands before the rabbi exclaiming, life is amazing. It is awesome. We enjoy every minute now that that goat is not in our house, only the nine of us. It's all about perspective, isn't it? It's all about perspective. Now, those of you with parents of teenagers um, who are maybe unhappy here, uh, place the animals in the room for a week. Try that out. See if they're grateful. See if they're thankful. Remove those animals. Just, just see what happens. You're welcome. He realized that he was blessed to begin with. He was blessed. So a question for you, do you really truly perceive the blessings of God in your life? Think about that. Not one of us in this place is hungry. And not one of us is naked. Thank you, God. But most importantly, if you are a Christian, you have been given everything through Jesus Christ. Now, let me just share a fact that I believe is true in my own life. And you can decide if it's true in your life or not. You can dismiss it if you choose. I believe that the devil will do anything he can to get our minds off the blessing of God. True? False? You can decide. But I believe that the devil will do anything he can to have us take for granted the blessings. To move through life so fast that we miss them. Think about that. 
He will constantly tell you how bad you have it and everything is wrong in your life. But when we begin to realize how much we have in the Lord, then and only then will we truly be able to be thankful. And when you're thankful, your heart will overflow with love for the Lord. Let me tell you something else that I believe is true in my life. Maybe it's true in yours or not. You can decide. You see, I believe that an unthankful Christian is a defeated Christian. An unthankful Christian is a defeated Christian. You decide. You decide if you apply that, if you like that or not. But I believe that to be true of mine and of all believers. I believe that an unthankful Christian is a defeated Christian because they have lost their joy. They have lost their source of hope because they are unthankful. The second thought I want us to see from the one leper who returned is the priority of gratitude. The priority. When this one saw that he was healed, he turned around. The Lord had given the command to go to the priest, but he delayed. He turned around and went back to the Lord to give him praise, to give him worship, to give him honor, and to say thank you. God had called him to, to go to the priest, but he realized he had a higher calling. And that is to go back and to say thank you and be grateful. Listen, if you don't give, God thanks. It won't be long before your obedience is just obligatory, before it's just a job, before it's just, nah, just going through the motions, right? Show up at church every now and then, say thank you every now and then, not really sure. Your obedience to God will just become obligatory, perfunctory, and then before you know it, it'll disappear. Here's the last thought that I want us to see from the one leper who returned. It's the perfection of gratitude. As he drew near to where the Lord was, he glorified God. He praised God. He worshiped him. The Greek means that he made the Lord glorious, that he manifested the worth of the Lord. I think he bowed down. I think he lifted his hands. I think he sang a new song. I think it was loud. I think it was exciting. He came to Jesus and he fell down before him in perfect submission. And he gave thanks for all that Jesus had done. Then the Lord asked this question, of course, that we remember that goes unanswered. Where are the others? Are you the only one? Where are the other nine? Then note what he says to this man. It's very critical. He says, arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made you whole. Now, what is that? He was already healed. He didn't have leprosy anymore. Here's Jesus adding this double portion, this second blessing. Arise, your faith has made you whole. This was something that scholars believe that the other nine did not receive. That it was a special, unique gift given just to the one. Because he had faith not just to be healed, but many commentaries state that he had faith to follow Christ. And so here he is. All people are blessed of God, but not all people follow Jesus, and not all people know God. We're all blessed, but not everyone chooses to follow the source of that blessing. This man's thankful heart responded in faith, and he was perfected as a disciple of the Lord in that moment. What a beautiful thing. So when is the right time to say thank you? When is the right time to be grateful? Well, the answer to that is now. And if we miss it, the next best answer is as soon as it comes to mind. This is true in both our thanks to God and our thanks to those in our life who help guide us along the path and make a meaningful difference in our life. I want to close this morning with a story of a woman named Melissa, which will provide helpful insight to us. Melissa grew up in central Indiana, right here in this area. 
Following her college days and her venture out into the world, she returned home for a week to her hometown at Thanksgiving. She was shopping in a grocery store, and by chance, she ran into a former high school classmate. They exchanged the usual greetings, where are you now, what are you doing, and questions and answers went quickly, and then they parted, one to the bread aisle and one towards the produce. A few days later, Melissa received a letter from this woman, and it read this. When I bumped into you at the store this week, I don't know why I didn't say anything, but now I will. Do you remember that weekend when we were seniors and you invited me to attend your church youth retreat? Well, that event changed my life, and I've never told you. You see, during my senior year, I was experiencing some deep and troubling family problems. And at that retreat, I got right with God, and it literally saved my life. For some reason, I've never told you this, but now I am. Thank you, Melissa, for caring enough to invite me to participate. What a great story. Can we be thankful or express thanks after the fact? Sure we can, and we should. The take-home question for us this morning is this. How do we fit into the story of the ten lepers? What does this mean to our lives here today? In summary, let me ask these questions. What were those healing experiences in your life that made life not only bearable but perhaps even enjoyable? Where have you failed to see the hand of God in your life? When have you walked away from a moment that should have included a a heartfelt thank you? And how should you respond after the fact when you realize that? Church, the right time to say thank you is right now. The right time to be grateful is right now. My prayer is that each of us will come to a place in our lives today where the one will describe us even more than the nine. In fact, grab a pen and scratch out, we are the nine, and write, we are the one. Because with God's help, you can be. Stand up with me and let's pray for just a moment. Jesus, we are so thankful for your presence today. I ask that you would forgive us when we take for granted the blessings that you pour out upon each and every one of us. Help us to experience your healing in this moment right now, restoration, healing touch, comfort to those who need it, and direction to all of us. Be near to those who are hurting in this holiday season and bring your touch to each and every one. Now to those in this room who decided through the course of this message that that they've been a little ungrateful, they need to return to the source of their blessings, I pray right now that that those who have identified themselves as the nine would, would become the one, that they would say, I want to be thankful. I want to give blessing back where blessing came from to its source. I also pray for my friends in this place who would say, you know, I don't remember a moment when I said yes to Jesus. I don't remember a moment when I, by faith, said, yes, Jesus, make me from unclean to clean. Restore my life. If that's you in this place here this morning, all you have to do is pray a simple prayer. Jesus, I need you. Do it now, and he'll hear you. We need you, Jesus. We love you. And fill our hearts with your great love and compassion for others. It's in your name we pray. Let's respond together in worship.